Well, thank you again that we can be sharing this morning together. We're in the series that's taking us through Genesis, and we've been meeting a, a very important character called Joseph. And we have been surprisingly finding that this character, Joseph, is pointing us again and again towards what God is going to do when he's going to come in the person of Jesus at the start of the New Testament. Genesis is a, well, it's a, it's a book worth reading. And if you've got some time, then you've not spent much time in the Old Testament. Why not spend some time exploring Genesis? It starts off showing that it's God who's behind all of existence. It starts off by showing that humankind are made to live in relationship, intimate relationship with him. But then it goes on to show how we, our ancestors, have made a decision, a decision that's resonated on through history and is in our own hearts too. One that says, God, you stay away. I'm going to be in charge. I'll run the show. You keep at arm's length. And our ancestors, ancestors said that uh, to God and their relationship with him was broken. And that should have been the end of the story. We're only at the beginning of Genesis at this point. Because what God does next is that he begins a series of interventions where he's reaching out to a, a people who have said, we don't have anything to do with you. We stay away. And he's reaching out in love towards them. As he sees humanity breaking itself up because of their rebellion, he steps towards us. And again and again, he makes approaches towards us and slowly begins to show who he is and to build that relationship and to establish a history into which he himself is going to come in the person of Jesus. And we know the other end of the story. God was planning to come in the person of Jesus to reveal to us just the depths of his love and his grace. Jesus was going to die instead of us so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be brought into a relationship with him. But every chapter as we go through Genesis is painting the scene and showing us more and more clearly who we are as humanity and who God is in his grace and love and care. And we've landed in this last part of Genesis into the life of Joseph. He's a scratchy kind of character to begin with, quite arrogant and pushy. And uh, we found him awkward. And uh, But as the story has unfolded, we've seen his character being moulded. But we've also been seeing how God was planning that this brother who was to be rejected, how this brother who was going to be pressed out and sold and condemned, even though innocent, how this brother was going to be the one through whom the others would experience rescue, would experience being saved. Last week, um, we had the story in chapter 39 of how Joseph was condemned even though he'd done nothing wrong and how he finished up in prison and as we read on today in chapter 40 we're going to find some of the characters that he meets in that prison 
So let's read it together. And as we're reading, perhaps you want to look out for some themes. You might want to look out for the dreams. You might want to look out for destiny. You might want to look out for the longing that there is for a deliverer. Well, let's read this together. Here we go. Chapter 40, Genesis. Some time later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in the in custody in the house of the captain of the guards, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they'd been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to when you were his cupbearer. When all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favourable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole. And birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all of his officials. He lifted up his heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief breaker in the presence of his officials. 
he restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So that's Genesis 40. I wonder whether you spotted the themes of dreams, destiny and longing for a deliverer. You know, those themes are themes that resonate in our hearts in this 21st century too. You know, dreams. I wonder what you are dreaming of, what, you're, what you think life is all about, what you think the purpose is. I was reading Joseph Campbell. He was an American professor and uh, he said, life has no meaning. Each of us has a meaning and we bring it to life. It's a waste to be asking the question when you are the answer. Camus says, you'll never be happy if you continue to search for what happiness consists of. You'll never live if you're looking for the meaning of life. And Hitchens, um, Christopher Hitchens, he wrote in Hitch 22, it could be that all existence is a pointless joke. But it is not in fact possible to live one's everyday life as if this were so. I wonder what you think the meaning uh, and heart to life is. It's interesting that that atheist Christopher Hitchens says, well, it might be that there's no meaning at all, but you can't live like that. You've got to put something in there. Well, in this story, we find people looking for meaning and they're looking for meaning through these dreams. And then destiny. Well, you know, where does all this lead? You know, this life, what's beyond? What's tomorrow? What's next year? We're all questioning those kinds of things at the moment. And the biggest question of all is actually what is beyond death? That's the biggest question. And that's become quite a stark question at this moment, hasn't it, in our story, in culturally. And then there's this theme of deliverer. You know, are you the hero of your own story? Or are you looking to somebody else? Maybe some romantic relationship, somebody who's going to bring you to rescue. Uh, or some great friendship that just brings that sense of life. You know, deliverer well in this story in this account there's uh, all of them are looking for deliverers and rescuers it's all here in genesis 40 so let's read about it and think about it together well the first section it talks about a dream it's pretty cruel isn't it there's a there's pharaoh he's offended and so he imprisons the baker and the cupbearer and these aren't just kind of back staff at the back of the kitchen these are people who are um, usually on the front line of caring for him guarding him looking after his security and uh, they're both imprisoned and we find that they both have dreams and these dreams have meanings and you can see in verse 7 that they come into Joseph's presence and they're sad and Joseph says to them, why are you sad? 
it's lovely that he's such an open, sensitive guy, isn't it? Um, and he then triggers a conversation. And uh, he hears about this dream of the wine um, bearer. And uh, it's interesting what happens here, this cup bearer. So the cupbearer explains that he had a dream in verse 9, and I saw a, a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossoms, and its clusters, uh, it, its clusters ripen into grapes. And he describes how Pharaoh's cup is in his hand and he's um, taking the grapes and squeezing them into Pharaoh's cup. It's quite a nostalgic dream, isn't it? And he's thinking, oh, those days, you know, he's obviously a faithful man, isn't he? He loved serving the Pharaoh and he, he wants to go back and, and serve him again. And he's dreaming over this, but he knows there's some kind of meaning. And Joseph, he says this in verse 8, you can look back at verse 8. He says, look, it's God. It's God who brings meaning. He says it like this. Do not interpretations belong to God? And so because God has revealed the meaning of the dream to Joseph, he explains to him what it means. And he says, well, within three days... Pharaoh will lift up your head, this is verse 13, and restore you. And you'll put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to. You can imagine just the relief, the delight, the hope awakening in the cupbearer's heart. This is going to be his destiny. His destiny is going to be to be lifted up again. But then Joseph kind of leans forward and he says, look, verse 14, when all goes well, remember me, show me kindness, mention me to Pharaoh. Because he's thinking maybe, maybe this cupbearer is going to be the deliverer. And he explains some of his story. He explains how he's uh, innocently suffering how he was thrown into this dungeon and it wasn't actually something that he'd done that brought him here. In verse 16, we find that the baker is excited about the good news. And uh, so he says, well, let me tell you my dream. So I had a dream, three baskets. And in the baskets, there was baked things for Pharaoh and then as I was carrying those baskets, there were birds that were eating the food out of the baskets. And he says, what does this mean? And so Joseph says to him, well, this is what it means. Three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale you. Isn't it horrible? But this is the kind of cruel king that this Pharaoh was. But he was saying, Joseph was saying, look, your destiny 
is to destruction. That's where you're going. And then we find that this is exactly what happens because the third day comes. It was his birthday, verse 20, Pharaoh's birthday. And he does exactly what Joseph had said. The one is restored and the other is killed. And that last verse, verse 23, is a kind of lonely lost verse, isn't it? The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So there's Joseph still in the jail. His deliverer hasn't come. What has this got to do with us? And how does this impact our lives? And how does this resonate with our own hearts? You know, dreams. We're trying to work out what life is about. We're trying to find its meaning. And as we are searching and thinking and mulling over things, perhaps with more time than usual, we can kind of identify with these two guys and their questions and their wondering and their trying to work out what the interpretation might be. And we've seen these two destinies, these two destinies that were determined in three days, one lifted up and one off to destruction. And right in the middle of this story of destiny, there is this innocent sufferer, Joseph, verses 14 to 15. We see Pharaoh's birthday. Isn't it cruel? You know, as he, as he lifts up one and everybody says, look, Pharaoh can do what he likes. Look, he lifts him up. And then the other one, he just slaughters him. And then goes, he can do what he likes, Pharaoh. He can just slaughter him because he is Pharaoh. He's the one who has all the power. One lifted up, verse 21, and one destroyed in verse 22. You know, I wonder about that cup bearer. Do you? You know, years afterwards, imagine, he's still bringing the cup to the king. And as he brings his cup to the king, he's always remembering. He's remembering, well, the broken sacrifice of the baker. Think about that friendship. You know, they were both thrown into jail together. They both suffer together. They both dream together. They both longed for the same outcome together. They longed to be back together, serving the Pharaoh again. He was a companion, that guy, that, that baker. But as our friend, the cupbearer, is now serving Pharaoh every day, he remembers the baker who should have been here too. But the baker, he's like a broken sacrifice. And yes, the baker is destroyed. The, the cupbearer is lifted up. The cupbearer has hope. The baker, nobody remembers him anymore. And as he would think about that baker and his death, his heart would be filled with terror. 
because he's seen the power of Pharaoh. He's seen what he can do. He's seen how he can lift up one and destroy the other. Anything can happen. And each day he would serve the Pharaoh with terror. Tonight, uh, we're getting back together, um, six o'clock. And we're going to, tonight, be sharing bread and wine. It's interesting, isn't it? The baker with his bread and the cupbearer with his wine. Tonight, we're going to be, be using bread and wine and thinking about bread and wine. But not because of this story. But we'll be thinking about another broken sacrifice. The broken sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus who died on a cross. The one who was, who is God himself. The one who's the great king, but who stooped down towards us. And Jesus, well, he was sacrificed. And our destiny was determined in three days. Because on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, conquering death. And tonight, when we share the bread and wine, we're not going to be remembering that broken sacrifice of Jesus with terror. Because instead of revealing a despotic, evil king, like the cupbearer's memory of Pharaoh's interaction with the baker... Instead, we remember the Deliverer, Jesus. We remember the one who died in our place, how he rose from the dead on the, three, on the third day and freed us. And instead of being filled with terror, we're filled with grateful thanks and filled with awe and love. It's a strange chapter, isn't it? And we're going to find out what happens next because God uses this to continue to lead Joseph on. But for today, we're going to just leave Genesis chapter 40 um, just there. But you know, as I think over this chapter and these three themes, I think about my own life, you know. I, I think, what are my dreams? But behind that, what do I think life is all about? What, what do I make of life? Where is my hope? Where is your hope? If somebody said, why are we here? How would you answer? You know, the Bible says to us, why are we here? We're here to live in relationship with the God who loves us. And that is what life is all about. We can invest into all kinds of different things, but ultimately, the only thing that is going to last and bring fulfillment and life is relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we might be saying to each other, well, what's our destiny? And not just talking about next week or how quickly they lift lockdown or whether our work will still be there in a year's time. But even longer horizon than that, that question of what is our destiny as far as forever is concerned, as far as 
eternity is concerned. And again, the Bible comes to us with clear, powerful answers. It says, look, our destiny should have been exclusion from God, being far from him forever because of that rebellion of our ancestors and that rebellion of our own. But instead, because of Jesus, because he came and he took the destiny that should have been ours, he hands to us the gift of his destiny, of relationship, of life and connection with God as our heavenly father. Jesus rose from the dead so that we could have the certainty and the assurance of that. He rose from the dead because he had authority over death. What's your destiny? Where are you going? God wants us to be certain that we can be with him forever because of Jesus's death and resurrection. You see, Jesus, he is the deliverer. He is the rescuer. Joseph looked at the cupbearer, thought maybe the cupbearer would rescue him. The baker listened to the cupbearer's story and thought that, well, that might save him. But we can look at one who is certain, who we can rely on, who we can be sure about. We can look at Jesus because Jesus, he died and he rose from the dead. He's the deliverer we long for. He's the deliverer who's the fulfillment of all other echoes of deliverers. Because Jesus is the one who changes our ultimate destiny. Jesus is the one who brings meaning to life. Jesus is the one who brings us into relationship with the God who is there and who loves us. You know, as we close, there's there's really an invitation hanging in the air, isn't there? There's an invitation that says, look, are you following Jesus? Have you come to Jesus, the deliverer, and said to him, look, please forgive me, let your death count for me. Rescue me, Jesus. I've done wrong things. I need your cleaning and liberation, please. And perhaps even now, as we connect like this, you want to say, Jesus, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done, the way I've held you out of my life. Please be my king. Thank you for your loving kindness. Others of us, we've been walking with Jesus for a long time. And as we hear this story, we see again this foreshadowing of Jesus in this story. These hints, these pointers towards the one who would come. And we realise again that God throughout time has deliberately had his heart set on you, on your rescue, with a love set on you as he wanted to draw you into this relationship. And as we press into this new week, let's be those who who dwell in him, who spend time with his word open, asking him to shape and change, inspire and lead us by the power of his spirit as we press forward. Let's pray as we prepare to sing one more time. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can think about these things together. We thank you that you bring 
meaning into life, that life is made to be about relationship with you. We pray that we wouldn't search for meaning and interpretation in places where we're going to end up with empty answers, but rather that we would find you, the truth, and that you, the truth, would set us free. We thank you, Jesus, that you died to change our destiny. You died in our place to take our wrongness, to free us, to draw us into that relationship with the Father. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are the deliverer, the one we've longed for. Lord Jesus, as we sing this song now that speaks about you, the great victorious lion, the one who is seated on the throne with all power and authority, we're also singing the same song that speaks of the same Jesus, but the one who is the lamb, the one who died in our place, the one who was a broken sacrifice, the one who was an innocent sufferer, who died so that we could be delivered. Lord Jesus, we worship you. Amen.